0: Welcome to the first episode of Season 9 of Delving Into Dance. The first three episodes of this season shine a light on artists presenting work as part of Dance Massive, occurring in Melbourne in March. You'll hear from Paul White, Joe Lloyd and Danielle Mitchidge. These three artists have an extensive history in dance and provide three unique perspectives about dance, life and their own processes. Delving Into Dance also has an extensive archive of other dance-massive artists, including Melanie Lane, Lucy Guerin, Luke George, Anouk Van Dyke, Stephanie Lake, Philip Adams, and Joel Bray. Before we delve into Joe's experiences and process, an exciting little development that I can share with you. Delving Into Dance is now on Spotify. If you're a Spotify user, why not find Delving Into Dance and hit follow? Of course, you can still find Delving Into Dance on itunes and on the website in this interview with joe we talked about her process things that are interesting her including the ways in which she archives and records her process and i started by asking joe where did dance start
1: i guess you know i did a bit of gymnastics for a year like you know just when i was about seven i'd say and my sister was doing ballet And I used to, of course, you know, go along for the drop-off and the pick-up. And then I guess mum said, you know, why don't you go and do ballet? You know, do you want to do ballet now after a year of gym? And I really liked it. And there was quite a few moments where I'd have to stay back and just hang around because her class would go later or she'd do a second class. And one of the second classes was um, in contemporary dance. And that was kind of my first um you know exposure to contemporary dance and i remember her teacher at the time very distinctly uh, he wore these like um all-in-one lycra suits and at the bottom there was like flared pants and like a cut out scoop neck and he was very flamboyant and he did um, a performance at the end of year concert which you know I was I probably was standing in the wings with my jaw dropping because I just was like exposed to something I'd never seen before that really excited me so I guess that was dance but before that I guess my mum had done ballet when she was young for a very short time and so she kept her ballet shoes her point shoes and that I was always sort of ramming my foot into them and and dancing around at home and making up dances at home for the family and um, using my brother's records to make dances too. And, like, you know, at the time all this stuff seems quite normal, But and what's normal, I don't know, but um, looking back it's like, oh, that exposure, you know, having a brother that was 15 years older that was listening to um, records, like, from bands, prog rock bands, like, yes, and, like, me picking out, Owner of a Lonely Heart and songs like that. And my dad had these Moog albums and, you know, I'd make up dances to Moog, um, the synthesizer um, album. And, you know, like things like that was just what I was surrounded by. So, you know, mum's favourite album was Cabaret, the soundtrack to Cabaret. Dad's favourite album was the soundtrack to 2001. There was lots of films around. I was the youngest, so I got all this exposure from my older brothers and sisters. So all those things sort of were part of that time when I first started doing dance. So it was already um, happening, that sort of, you know, surrounding effect um, was already at play, which continues, yeah.
0: Such a anyway, wide like, range of music as well. Like
1: Yeah, and then it keeps going. Like then my other older sister, you know, she was listening to, oh, yeah, everything. There was, And it was so, you know, it was the 80s, so it was really, oh, I don't know, I can't think of one right now, but every now and then when I'm around people who are like 10 years older than me, I think they must wonder why I know these these musicians, and it's like, oh, because that's what I was around. And even like with my kids, I play, you know, sometimes I'll play something like the presets, and to them it's probably really super daggy or, or like, yeah, I was playing something yesterday and I thought they probably think this is, such daggy music, but they're they're going for other things. Like um, they're kind of interested in going for um, I don't know, like hillbilly kind of rock and rock and stuff. It's really weird. It's interesting that cycle.
0: Yeah, because music you know, has that that moment. It captures a moment in your life. And sometimes when you go, shit, that album actually came out ten years
1: ago. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and the perspective, like you know what in time, like what that signifies for you, but then in, you get kind of like this timeline of like, oh, that reaches back to then and I'm here and that that was for them there, and yeah.
0: I read that when you were younger, you used to pretend to interview famous people. Yeah. Who would you interview?
1: Uh, I remember one of them was Michael Lunig. <laughs> and what's funny is that, one day when I was doing radio with Richard Watts and Gerard Van Dyke, um, he was one of the guest speakers on the program because Cage at the time were working with him on their set. And so we're in the green room and I turn up and there's Michael Lunig. And so we're chatting away and I was also doing my show Future Perfect at the time. And then he started saying, oh so, you know, what are you working on? And then I talked about Future Perfect and then he started talking about, you know, the, the term Future Perfect and what it meant. And there I was sitting there, you know, with this incredibly, um, you know, witty, intelligent man, <laughs> you know, talking about this this, this term that, uh, yeah, it just was very strange. Who else did I interview? Uh, it kind of, it's kind of hard to know when when I used to imagine who, but, you know, like, um, I guess it ranges. I mean, it's sort of seeped into people that, Maybe I, I, I have known that aren't around anymore, and so, you know, like I'm having a conversation with them. That sounds like I've gone a bit loopy, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, Morrissey from the Smiths, you know, I used to think about interviewing him. Like the ones where you'd think I'd be so petrified to meet you, I don't actually know what question I'd ask, um, almost to the point where you wouldn't, wouldn't talk to them and <laughs> just be there with them or something, I don't know. You know what i mean yeah i mean you interview lots of people
0: and um, what kind of yeah. questions would you ask i'm just writing down these questions now just to to frame this whole interview
1: oh uh, yeah um oh look um i can't really remember specific ones you know way back when because i used to sit in the bath that was often when i'd think of it and i wouldn't be out loud i'd just be in my head um but they weren't sort of straight up kind of of you know what's your favorite color or you know it was more asking them about their work or um yeah the things that were sort of always curious to me about their work you know wanting to ask um, perhaps about specific um, processes or something you know like more about insights into what the way they worked, or something like that. You know, it was, yeah, it was. it was more more that than um, sort of everyday. Oh, what do you like to eat? But you know, yeah,
0: yeah. So, what about your process? What's your process in making a work?
1: Um, well, it's changing and it keeps changing, which I like. So maybe that's my process—a <laughs> changing process is my process. Um, I guess. Over the last, maybe, since around 2013, it occurred to me that I, you know, wanted, I, for a while I'd been wanting to perform in a way I hadn't been performing, like I was getting a little bit sort of complacent or I could feel that I was going out and being being in a certain mode in performance. So that triggered me, even in other people's work, you know, trying to sort of subtly be aware and shift the way I was performing or how I was performing, which then, I guess, you know, backtracks to what you're performing and how you got to that point, like what process got you to that performance. But then in my own work, I guess that extended more into making the work I didn't know how to make. Um, That was one of my sort of um, agendas, you know, Um, and I guess entertaining myself. So not in a kind of way of like, wow you know yeah i'm feeling good but like as in what's what's kind of asking more of my system like my brain and my body and like how can i if i'm going to keep doing this then it's it's got to keep being really fascinating and um not get numb and not get sort of run-of-the-mill and so i guess um i started to abandon certain things and um, I guess, you know, risk or experiment or just throw things up in the air a bit more, but also be quite considered about about what was going on. You know, like I think the initial process was very kind of like what if. But over the last, yeah, five years, um, and even the last thing I was making last week and what I'm thinking of, making from here on, yeah, being very considered. Um, so it's almost like I've I've scratched a lot of my, uh, I've scratched away at a lot of my processes and made them quite spontaneous, but now it's something I'm recognising. So it's sort of my, my thing is to utilise those processes and keep developing them, those methods, but also then... The process of collecting what is um, stimulated. So, what arises, how do I collect that? Like, um, I guess an example would be some people would use a video camera, they would do what they refer to as an improvisation, and they'd video it, and then they'd learn it back, and that would become the choreography that could be repeatable in performance. So, for me, that's one process that happened a lot for a time, maybe you know, seven years ago and I abandoned my video camera and I stopped documenting my process like that and I now try to find other ways. So I'm interested sort of in um, a notation or what could possibly be similar to a notation because, I mean, it's come up... Sorry, I'm going on a bit, but it's kind of the most complex question. (laughs) Um, I guess it's come up a bit because... Also, if you have works that you want to revisit, say if they get performed again and again, um, often video is the go-to. So you go back and you learn off video, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's right arm, left arm. But for me, that doesn't service what I've been making because the work I'm making doesn't operate like that. So, And it's not that I have any um, judgment on that process. It's just not for me at the moment. Um so yeah, I'm entertaining myself
0: <laughs> That's and nice. others.
1: I think hopefully,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or going to <laughs> are the,
1: that are in the piece, but also viewing the piece.
0: <laughs> well, you often work in terms of your um, people that you collaborate with and work with. You often work with the same people or a similar group of people. Does that, yep. I guess, inform your work or inform your process as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and. It's that kind of mix of um, minds and personalities that I find, um, yeah, quite juicy. So, and also i am very—I've always written it in my applications from years ago, like building this kind of company way of working um, without being a company. But the collaborators, you know, there's dec- you know a decade or so with some of them, and then some of them are more recent but they're kind of, um, or they are, um, at a level with their their form, their art form that's a very high level of expertise. So, you know, I can talk to them about ideas and then trust that they'll bring their expertise, which is something I'm learning also when I go and participate in other people's work, you know, as a choreographer or outside eye or movement director or dramaturg, it's like, I've got to bring my expertise. Um, you know, it's not fully my work that I'm com- that I'm taking care of. It's air work, so I've got to bring what what can I offer? You know, like why? What's my role? So I'm sort of finding I can understand that collaborative um, intersection more and more. I think, and I like it when it's. Um, I like it when it's you know a little bit nudgy, pushy. You know, it's like oh, you know they have strong opinions and they're comfortable and uncomfortable with them stepping up, stepping forward and saying, no, I think this needs to be this. And then we'll have that discussion and it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's very rarely hurtful or, you know, it's respectful. So I think that's something I invite. Um, that rigour, I guess, you know, it's, it's exciting. And I guess with my last work, I look at, what worked and how people respond to certain things and responded to certain things and I think wow that was that moment we really pulled apart and um questioned and challenged each other on and not to say it has to be hard work but just some moments they all just fall into place and you're like yep that's it and then other moments like it's you know argument time and not yeah not not hurtful but it's like well, someone's someone's feeling comfortable to raise this concern or this issue. Yeah, so, um, and there's been like troughs where um, things are working better and and then there's that slide of like who's coming in and out of the process because of the work, like what's right for the work, like the one that's coming up. You know, I'll even say to some of the collaborators, um, this is what I'm imagining this will be like. Um, I'm not sure if this is what you're interested in being involved in at the moment. So, you know, each work has its own sort of, yeah, drive, and um, I try to kind of see what's right for the work. But um, there is a build with collaborators. So, you know, you can build on what fell apart or succeeded in the last project or the last... You you loop back to some process that happened back in... um, 2008 and it's like wow that's what we're doing now but we're doing it differently now but it's still useful now like this thing I like to talk talk about of like I, I say you know rip yourself off like you know just I feel like oh no I've done that but then it's like no rip yourself off and make it better like you're not finished with that idea you didn't you ran out of time with that idea so let's go back to it and like really make that substantial you know or find out what was wrong or yeah there's some things that are so it's almost this solution based process like you know it didn't work so how can we make it work or there's something wrong there i'm not finished with that yet yeah
0: i'm thinking yeah. about your work um overture and how you started that quite a long time ago and that that's continued to build as a work as well because you started that in yes. 2016 right
1: yeah. Well, um, yeah. It was late 2016, and um, I had a development, and I didn't really know what I wanted to exactly make, but I knew I had this sort of idea of what to um, what to begin with. It was sort of like an exercise, and then out of that, I sort of um, realised there was much more involved in the stimulant, like the stim. I'm interested in this idea of the stimulant. Um, and then the body becoming the stimulant. So I think in that case the stimulant was the music, you know, and then from there it was like this research that came about. Yeah. And I guess I'd come out of doing some work that wasn't as, I guess, choreographic in terms of the, the, the movement and the vocabulary, and I was really ready to go into um, into the body again, like really source. Um, so it was, yeah, it was the music as the stimulant with the body and then the body as the stimulant. Yeah, if that makes any sense. And what's happening is it, it's a, when Dance Massive launched the program, it came, I think for a lot of people it came across that I was gonna do the work um, as a live performance. So, but it's actually the what, what we're screening is the documentation of the live performance so it's um it'll be seen in a different format but um we're not actually performing it again yet i mean but um i've been asked to do a little excerpt of it for um, a one-off performance soon and the thing of going back to the performance there's sections of of overture that I still have to kind of go back and almost try and notate because um, there's sections where I drive it verbally. So, and without that, the section will fall apart. And I even haven't sort of given that enough time. So, that's one section that really will shift and it's um, affected by how. Um, it's just, I guess it's this thing that came up with my other piece, Confusion for Three, where the um, recent history informs the choreography. And what was interesting, say, with Confusion for Three, that's an example of this um, revisiting and how the work shifts, is that the version we did in Perth, which was three years after the very first um, premiere season, it was very interesting to work out how the history over that three years um, affected the work in terms of the three performers, so myself, Rebecca Jensen, and Sean Law, because we'd all done Overture, so there was this really obvious, but you know, I hadn't really thought about it yet, this really obvious dilemma of, well, if it's if it's about the history in the body and the history of the three of us on stage, then. What happens to overture? Like that's part of our history. Is that allowed in or is that omitted? And so we had um we had some questions around that, and I think it was both. It definitely meant that overture couldn't be ignored. It had to make make its way in, and the way it made its way in was quite fascinating and subtle. Um but yeah, these these new iterations are quite fascinating for me. It's kind of that thing of how do you kind of anchor the work in its origins, but let let it kind of keep keep being rich and um, live? I'm very much interested in how we can be preparing for these performances, but then negotiating them live so that they don't become um, locked in something repeatable and non-conscious, so, mm. but, you know, like or less conscious um, or complacent. Um, so that we're when when we're in each moment, we're we're very much negotiating that moment.
0: And I wonder, does your way of notating the work affect that archiving or recollection or those moments and reliving those moments?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and I won't pretend that I've, I've worked out the notation yet. Um, <laughs> Well, maybe I have, and um, I just have to spend some time realising that, but I'd like to have it more refined. But the language I use and the the written um, collection of those pieces of language, I guess that's a vocabulary, and then the movement's a vocabulary. So um, it is quite important because that is what anchors some of the choreography. I mean... I've been interested in this thing of like um, also going in the opposite direction which, which is to not name some things and that's when it gets a little bit curious because if I'm not naming what the movement is, um, how do I collect it, how do I collect it other than naming it and it's sort of like this, you know, thought bubble with nothing in it. <laughs> But it's the body that has the, the name or the body knows. I guess I'm interested in some ways in what the body knows that I don't understand yet. I mean, that's my most fascinating place. But how do you notate that? <laughs>
0: I don't know. And so how does you your make, body... How
1: do you make that?
0: Does your body remember? Is it? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the um, practitioners... Quotes is trust that the body will remember, and I always think of that. But yeah, my body remembers, and I have this curiosity for what my body remembers that's pre this this you know life that I've known. Um, and that's not to be esoteric. That's actually you know um, anchored in some of the incredible, fascinating research to do with trauma in the body and you know generational trauma, and even you know I wonder about. Cycles beyond, you know, this life. So the future, the future dance, or even the dance that might come after this interview with you. You know, um, I guess I'm interested in this thing of the body might know more than me. So to get out of the way of the body and setting up um, certain um, explorations that allow for that, that aren't just ah oh, la la. I'm just flopping around. I'm, you know, without any conscious awareness to what I'm doing, um, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a dancer and it's really interesting to get people's understandings and explanations about the body and the the way body, the you know, it's such a refined instrument for you. Yeah. That yeah. the way you perceive, read, embody, think about... Relive—it's just a bit different.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's interesting because I started this book that I've been meaning to read, and I just started on the plane on the way home the other day. And the first page was really talking about stories and um, writing stories and telling stories. And it was quite simple, but the way it was written made my brain hurt a bit. And it was more about me straight away reading it and implementing it into the what I. Know of, you know, moving, and the body, and how I work with the body, and not to sound sophisticated or, um, yeah, like surreal. But I mean, I really try. I'm really trying now, and I really try to articulate what it is I'm interested in, and um, yeah, not for the sake of sounding weird or doing, making, you know, work that's a little bit out of the box. It's actually just I'm incredibly fascinated by um pursuing these other other ways of investigating what my body's doing like and try to be more um considered you know like really considered about and not not even um suggesting no one's done this before or or that I'm the only one thinking like this like absolutely not you know like talking to Lee Searle the other day we we're talking about Trisha Brown and you know, like continually you read about people who have been banging on about this and, you know, watching Deborah Hay, you know, she's, she's on about what she's always, you know, being fascinated by and she's still going at it and wondering about it and practising it and trying and, you know, like um, it's just never-ending. <laughs> it's so funny.
0: What is it, I guess, all those people are on a journey and you're on a journey – What is it about dance as an art form that you can explore or do that maybe you can't in other art forms or within within other disciplines or spaces, I guess?
1: Well, I'm not not sure because, you know, I've kept pursuing this art form and, you know, I love many art forms, you know. I did art when I was young and I kind of wish I could do more of that as well. I mean, I could try, but, you know, your time has to be devoted to something. Um, So, but I guess sort of um, from more stepping back, I guess, um, you were asking about what it can do that other art forms don't seem to do. Is that what you were? Yeah,
0: I guess what what dance can reveal to the world or to to people that, Maybe, maybe it's not even other art forms, but that is maybe unique to dance.
1: Yeah, um, I guess you know you are your work. Where even if you um, hand it over to other bodies to perform your work, you know you you are your work. I remember hearing Philip Adams saying, apparently, that um, you know your work should reek of you. And the other day, someone saw this solo I'd made on a dancer in Dance Northland. It was Andrew Trelaw who, you know, I've worked with a lot on design lately, and he said, oh, you know, I could see Beck Jensen in there, I could see Sean Law, I could see um, Dan Butterworth, and you in there, I could see all of them in that solo. And it was this one dancer who's only just worked with me over the last two weeks. So this kind of thing of, like, how how things leak between bodies, and um, that's really fascinating, and I think, you, you know, you are your work and I've had phases where that is suffocating (laughs) it's like I don't want to be my work anymore and I guess other artists you know might be in visual arts would say well I am my work too but I think just the thing of your body is the noun or something about the noun this is the noun this is this is the work like whether I'm in there performing it or not it's um it's even more so when I am performing it but um yeah, maybe that there's that and there's also just yeah, we all we all have a body. So even if, if we're watching and watching other bodies, it's um, it's 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 the it's where you're viewing it from. So you're viewing it from your experience of being a body as well. So whatever range of experience you have and you bring to it you're watching another body, and that's probably—I don't know—that's probably what I would bring it down to. <laughs> Dance is the body, so um, it's not um, separated from. It's not an extension of. It's. It is. It is the substance. It is the stimulant. It is the. It is the pill. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's,
0: yeah, the big—it's a big question, but it, I think it's really interesting when people come yeah, from it from very different uh, perspectives, I guess, based on their interest in dance or their interest in movement or the body. Or...
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, people often try, to, or people people often talk about, you know, the audience or the viewer. Um, they bring their own cinema, or they—what um, window are they looking through, or what do they bring? their perspective to the performance and you know somebody asked me about context and what that how that affects the work that i make and you know i started like typing away my answer you know oh this and that and the other and then halfway through like the first or second sentence i I just stopped and almost deleted it and started again because it was like well the context is heavily informed you know, the context is the audience, you know, the viewer is the context in a lot of ways. A good percent of the performance shifts because of them, and and that's not going to be, that's such a wonderful unknown. Um, And in in different performance setups, of course, that is even more variable. So that happened to me recently with the work at ACCA, you know, like the audience became a huge part of, the context and part of the choreography because they basically you could put it down to they were you know someone someone would say they were in the way of the choreography so it's like we had, had to negotiate them as part of the choreography and afterwards some people criticised the work which I really you know um, enjoyed hearing about and one of the things I criticised about it I started to realise was actually the thing that made it um, exceptional you know it was a one-off and it wouldn't you know you couldn't put it on the Malthouse stage it wouldn't have happened it wouldn't have happened any other way anywhere else and it was because the context was um full of lots of variables and that was that was amazing like and there were solutions being made during the performance constantly you know it was quite it was quite rare and exciting and whether it was a train wreck or not, you know, maybe it maybe maybe more train wrecks are good. I don't know. Like I'm kind of interested in them. Um yeah, it was maybe it was a disaster. Yeah, that's the other thing lately, I've been starting to kind of notice my comfortability or uncomfortability with um what I'm making. Like I'm looking at it thinking, I don't even know if I like it. It's like you put on you put on a top and you think, I don't even know if I like this top but, you know, someone's gotta do it or I might just wear it anyway, you know, like um, yeah, like someone will give you a present and they'll give you this t shirt, and you think, I would never buy that. But then eventually you find yourself wearing it, and you think, actually, you know, this isn't bad. <laughs> or it's uncomfortable, and that might be something that's kind of keeping me alive, like keeping me fresh, because I'm uncomfortable. I'm more aware. You know, I'm not comfortable, I'm not complacent and numb. Yeah.
0: Right you can see in some people's careers they get to a point where they maybe end up producing similar similar styles of work for whatever reason and then all of a sudden there's a work that's completely different and it catches you again because it's kind of breaks that mold I guess mm. so if you yeah oh, it's quite interesting it's more of a comment than an observation
1: yeah I mean maybe I'll you know, clean it all up and people will be like, what the hell happened to Joe? <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, I mean, I've got this idea for something just recently and it's like, wow, that's like one paradigm. That seems like it's really, but then I don't know if that's true. Like it appears to be like one paradigm and I'm, you know, inviting or entertaining the idea that it might be durational and stick with that paradigm. But then maybe the variables are very subtle, and or not so subtle for some, but, you know, in some ways that would be, if I can step back and try to look at the sort of latest things I've been putting out to people, it's like that would be um, a shift. So, I don't know, maybe, or maybe, you know, to me it feels like a shift, but maybe on the outside it will be like, oh, that's just the same. I don't know. And, you, can, you know, you can put sugar on top and people get swayed, you know, like sometimes, I, I mean I don't deliberately do that, but I think recently with Overture lots of people responded really well to it and I don't really know that I was doing that much different, like I sort of think about, I think maybe the aesthetic choices and the music really framed it a certain way that allowed people to see it see the material, the physical material differently and then you just think, well, actually, maybe it was just about timing that people we were ready to see a show like that. And if it had happened two years ago or in two years, that the work would have, um, you know, people wouldn't have been that drawn to it. So, I mean, before, before it premiered, I did think this might be too surreal. They might not be able to latch on this. They might. But I was surprised so many um, people found a way with it that was really positive so you just don't know (laughs) so what's about time it's about timing I think really
0: so talking about timing what's on for the rest of the year
1: oh okay um practical question this is nice (laughs) my brain hurts I need another coffee what's on for the rest of the year um I've got uh, quite a few things which is good they're juicy um so there'll be dance massive which I'm excited by because it will be a different format for the work. And I've had a few people go, oh, it's not the live, you know, and they've been really sad. But um, it came about because I wanted people to see the work and I wanted to do a movie night for the people that missed out in Melbourne because there was quite a few people that suddenly on the last show were like, I can't get in, I can't see it, I missed it. And then also the performers, I wanted them to see the documentation because it was beautiful, like James Wright used cameras that are mostly used for big screens. Like, they're not used to just be looked at on a little screen. So I was like, let's project it, let's see it in its glory because the quality is beautiful and the edit is lovely. Like, he did a great job. We worked on it together, but mainly it was his work. And so then I just was like, I'll have a movie night. And then Michaela Coventry, I've been working with as a producer, she said, oh, why don't you do it? like during Dance Massive as a one-off movie night. And, you know, you could do it here or there. And then I checked into the Arts House, you know, I said, look, I want to do this. And they were like, oh, look, we'll we'll have it, you know, upstairs. Would you like to do it up there? And we'll do it two screenings a night, six nights. And I was like, hang on, hang on, hang <laughs> on. You no, know, it's not meant to be, like, a huge thing. Um, so I had to, like, just rein it in a bit. But, yeah, that'll be next. Um, and I'm excited by that because, like, yeah you could watch it at home on your laptop if i gave you the link but also let's sit down the popcorn and i'll tell you about it like i'm even contemplating like um narrating through one of the <laughs> one of the screenings but that might be really annoying but i do also think that could be really fascinating because i'd be able to talk a lot about the work as it's being shown and and we'll be able to drink champagne and eat, have fantails and I mean, I'm really looking forward to it because it's a different mode of coming together. It's not like sit there in an audience um, and then leave. It's 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 a different... It's something that hasn't happened in Dance Massive, so that's a positive, isn't it? Like, I just feel like... Because people are a bit cautious, like, oh, but then people will think that you're trying to sell that as the, as the work and don't you want the work to be performed again? And, yeah, there's that um, caution, but it's also like, well... It's also great just that people are going to see it again, you know. It's, it's great. So that's that. And then I do this thing called Garden Dance at the Botanic Gardens. And um, that's with a, a large group, similar group to the group that did Cut Out at ACCA. Um, and then I guess I go on to continue working on a piece which I'm calling Circus Family, which is... Um, ..which is... A little bit unknown, but I feel like I've been making it already. And But I think throughout the year there's this idea of doing these one-off events um, in various locations and um, I guess I'm naming them Live Junk because um, last year I did a piece called Live Junk in a program that Shelley Lassica um, invited me to be part of and she basically said, you know, within one afternoon there's all different artists presenting their work and you have between four and five, so it's up to you. It might be something you're working on or... And it was just after Overture and I had to kind of work out what I was going to do and I ended up doing this piece that um, I refer to as Live Junk. And I feel like I want to take Live Junk forward with other people and um, I guess that's the one paradigm that I'm starting to mull over. So I sort of think, is it sooner rather than later? Like someone's like, oh, do it in Dance Massive. And it's like, no, I don't need to. You know, that's like well full, that's overflowing. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe I can get it together before Dance Massive. Maybe it's after Dance Massive. So, you know, maybe, maybe I try to do one in Sydney, you know. Um, so these sort of live junk events... And I kind of want to augment where they happen, that we're not always going to the same place that we know, that maybe we have to kind of go, oh, where is that? Or, you know, I've never seen any dance there before, and that they're just one-offs and that they don't involve an exchange of money and they um, and they might be disasters or they might be the best thing that happened this year. You know, like live jump was one of my favourite things last year and it was really precarious. Um you know, five minutes before I asked one of the dancers I'd been working with on something else. I said, oh, what shoes have you got on? And they said, oh, these. And I said, what underpants are you wearing? And they said, oh, these. I said, do you want to do this dance? And they said, yeah. So they were in it and, you know, (laughs) someone else pulled out and it went from being half an hour to being an hour and it was on concrete and, you know, one of the performers was like, oh, sweet Lord, you know, an hour of this, you know, and it was really fun to try and Attempt that, like they're they're often these attempts, these physical, performative attempts, which is kind of, which is quite fun. And I don't think it's just fun for us. I think like it's hard work, but it's fun for those who come and watch it too, because we're really, really trying, and that's good to watch. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, someone you. said it was unre- un- unforgiving someone's like oh your work is unforgiving and i was like for me or for, for you watching and she was like "Both." <laughs> i was like oh i hope that's a good thing
0: i think that could be a compliment could be <laughs> could be read in different ways
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to Talk about all things. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find a list of episode notes at delvingintodance.com. You can find Delving Into Dance on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, and now Spotify. Delving Into Dance is currently unfunded and without your donations, we will not be able to continue. So please, if you like this project, if you like the interviews, if you want to support dance and independent dance artists in getting their work out there, please consider leaving a contribution online. Arts journalism now is more important than ever, giving a profile to those that make our lives that little bit richer. So your contributions are really, really welcome. You can find Delving Into Dance's extensive archive of over 44 episodes, including with the likes of Meryl Tankard, Raphael Bonicella, Judith Mackerel, and many,
1: many more.